Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this edition of our podcast, appropriately titled Social Security Talk. I'm your Mark. I am your co-host, Mark Kiner, in the blue shirt, uh, joined by my partner, Jim Blair, in the red shirt. Good afternoon, Jim. Hello. It's a, it's a, it's a gray overcast day in Cincinnati, Ohio today, isn't it? It sure is. Uh, looks like it wants to rain, but I don't know if it's going to. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So today is September 28th, 2023. Our podcast is sponsored by the National Social Security Advisor Certificate Program. Uh, uh, Our program emphasizes two things relating to Social Security. One is situational Social Security. Every one of your clients are in a unique and different situation. There are 75 million or so baby boomers. Two of them are right here on this on this podcast, and they all have different options available to them. As a matter of fact, if you're meeting, uh, if my partner Jim Blair is meeting with 10 different married couples, each married couple will have a different set of options available to them. Jim, what's the other item that we emphasize in the class? We have to ask those probing questions. You got to know what to ask people to find out what their situation is so you can find out uh, what's going to be best for them, what's the best way for them to maximize their benefits. And by doing that, you ask those probing questions, figure out their situation, and then you can discuss that with them. As a matter of fact, Jim, let's talk about probing questions. I received a a phone call yesterday from a from a, a project a pr- prospective client, and this is how the discussion went. I asked him how a guy called me. How old are you, a Mister Prospect? He said he was seventy, going to be seventy this year. Didn't say he was seventy today, but going to be seventy this yeah. year. I said, "Are you married?" Yes. Uh, is your wife? Uh, how old is your wife? He said she was going to be seventy this year also. And I said, are either you or your wife receiving Social Security benefits? He said, no. So, you know, a strategy that came to my mind, Jim, was that the wife would file for her Social Security benefits effective six months ago, and she'll get a nice lump sum benefit payment. The husband will file that restricted application. He'll claim off of her work record and get a spousal benefit, and that also will be effective six months ago. And then, Jim, when he turns 70, he'll file for his own benefits. Uh, What are your thoughts relating to that strategy? Yeah, that's a great thing to discuss. We would want to look into that. And what's important about asking those probing questions and figuring that out is if you talk to this fellow next week, it's going to be October. We can still go back six months. They can both still go back six months. But if they file this month, they'll go back to March. If they wait till next week, they can only go back to April. So as time goes on, each month that passes, they're losing benefits because they're going to draw. Well, she'll draw uh, from that point forward if she files and he does a restricted application. And then, uh, but he's going to draw on her record until he's 70 and then switch to his own. Well, each month that goes by, he gets closer to 70. So it's less and less time for him to draw off of her work record and they lose money. 
should have done this years ago. But should should have done know. this when they were full retirement age. But That's you're right. right; they didn't know. That they didn't know, no doubt. And then I received an email from one of our advisors. Uh, her mom, it was a her. Her dad is 83. Her dad is received, has has had four marriages. All he has four ex spouses. So his dad is her dad is receiving off of ex spouse number four. And the question was, it's believed that ex spouse number one, the first spouse, would have a higher benefit coming to that person because it's a higher work, a, a greater work history, work dollars, a, a lot more earned income. So the question was, can the dad claim off of the? Uh, how does the dad go about claiming off of the first ex spouse? And you know, all of his exes are alive but he's only claiming off of ex-spouse one. So Jim, what I said was uh, the opportunity is there to claim off of ex-spouse number one. You want to contact social security, provide them with the divorce decree to prove that you were married for 10 years, and then find out if your benefit off of ex-spouse number one would be higher. If it's higher, they can also go back six months and get a lump sum check. Of course, that would be reduced because they're already receiving benefits off of ex-spouse uh, number four. But also, if if uh, ex-spouse number one provided this 83-year-old's name and social security number or some identifying information to SSA when she when she filed, then they social security should have should have contacted uh, this this gentleman, this ex-husband. To and talk to him about maybe getting more money off of the first ex-wife, and so it's possible that there might be an opportunity for the for the eighty-three-year-old guy to go back and collect a a a spousal benefit off of ex-spouse number one, going back to when she filed. Jim, thoughts? Well, first of all, when he applied on the current record, Social Security should have checked that out, and I emphasize the word "should have." Uh, because they would have also asked him when he applied, are you currently married? Apparently he would have said no. Uh, but they would say, did you have any other marriages? And if so, did any last 10 years or more? Mm-hmm. And any that lasted 10 years or more, they should have questioned him. Of course, they're going to ask their name, their social security number, date of birth, all sorts of things, uh, and, and taxes memory for sure. But they should have looked into that. Uh, maybe he didn't know the information. And in that case, they may have just kind of sort of tried to look into it and then wrote it off. Uh, and if he can come up with the information, which he should be able to, then uh, they, they they will check it out. But they should have done something when she filed. You're right. If they didn't, they should have done it when he filed. And if they didn't, then there's misinformation there. And he may be able to receive more than six months of retroactivity. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what they find when they look. Uh, but if if there's a higher benefit, he should file for it and try to get it. So, you know, this is information that we, we teach in our class. We just don't run through the rules. We, we, we review planning opportunities. Uh, we uh, Our website, if you want to learn more about the educational program that we have to offer, is www.premier.com. NSSA.com, premier NSSA.com. You can also shoot me an email 
at mkiner at mypremierplan.com or give me a buzz, 513-247-0526. We offer our class three ways, live in person. We're still going to be in Troy, Michigan, Louisville, and Cincinnati this year, 2023. Next year, we're going to be in Kansas City, Cleveland, and Chicago. And we offer monthly webinars. So if you don't want to travel, just attend a monthly webinar with us. Our next one, I think, is maybe October 31st, but don't quote me on that. Schedule is all on our website. Additionally, uh, we offer the on-demand videos. So you can just listen. You can you can watch us, me and Jim, all day long in the privacy of your own home and, uh, and get our training and then uh, be able to take our assessment later or in the National Social Security Advisor Certificate. So, Jim, last month we talked about spousal. I know I keep saying that. We talked about married couples and some of the strategies available to married couples, but we couldn't do it justice in just a, 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 a thirty-minute podcast. So, Jim, there are some uh, areas of married couples' social security benefits that I'd like to talk about a little more today. One would be. What if, it was a mar- what, if it was a ma- what if a married couple had children? What are the rules for kids to receive a benefit off of a living um, parent or a deceased parent? Yeah, and that's the key. It could be both. It could be off of either a living parent or a deceased parent. The child needs to be a minor child under the age of 18 and unmarried. If they're between 18 and 19, if they're still a full-time student in high school, they will be able to continue drawing or start drawing uh, and receive until either they graduate or reach age 19, whichever occurs first. Again, they have to be unmarried. And if a child becomes disabled before the age of 22, they can draw off of the parent's work record. Now, they don't have to file before they're 22. You may have a situation where a parent is filing for retirement benefits and they're, they're in their 60s, obviously, and the child may maybe is in their 40s. Well, if they became disabled before age 22, they can file and start receiving benefits at that point. So uh, Social Security is going to ask those questions when you apply for benefits. Do you have any children? And if you say yes, they will ask. Any under 18, between 18 and 19 still in high school or disabled before the age of 22. In all these cases, they have to be unmarried. The exception to that is for the uh, the uh, disabled adult child. If they marry another disabled adult child receiving benefits, their benefits uh, can continue. Uh, otherwise, their benefits would stop if they would marry someone. Got it. So kids are eligible. So a strategy would be, let's say mom and dad are both eligible for their own Social Security benefits. We might have the mom claim her own benefits as early as she can. That's going to be age 62 in one month. <laughs> and then a child is eligible to receive off of the mom's work record. Child, child will receive 50% of mom's PIA, which is the same thing as saying 50% of the full retirement age benefit. And then down the road, when the dad uh, claims his benefits, it's possible that the benefit off the dad's work record for the kid, kids or kid uh, might be higher. 
And so then the child would then climb off of the dad's work record. The problem, though, is that by the time dad claims his benefits, the child may age out. May he may become age 18 and, and not in high school anymore or age 18 in high school, but only for one more year. And so maybe the dad claims at, at his full retirement age, mom claims earlier, dad claims at full retirement age. This way, the kids get to collect off of mom and then the dad when he claims. And uh, what was I going to say? I'm on a roll here, Jim. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on a sec. So the dad will claim down the road anywhere between, let's say, full retirement age and age 70. So let's say the dad claims at full retirement age. And then the child gets a higher benefit off his work record. Then the, then the ki- ch- children, one kid, two kids, who knows, they age out. They become age 18 or 19 and aren't eligible for benefits anymore. Well, it might be that at that point, if the dad is somewhere between full retirement age and age 70, he can voluntarily suspend his benefits to collect some delayed retirement credits. So that's a very unique strategy. I've heard of people utilizing it after they talk to us, of course. Jim, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a way of drawing your benefits. You start early, they're going to be reduced some, but it allows your children to draw their benefits. And in some instances, that can be quite a bit of money. Uh, then when, as you say, they aged out, that person is stuck with the lower benefits. So how do you resolve that? One way, if you don't need the money, go ahead and suspend benefits. You can do that once you reach full retirement age and you will earn delayed retirement credits. You will earn an 8% a year increase. Now it doesn't increase your full retirement age benefit 8%. It increases your monthly benefit payment by 8%, but it's still an increase. And so if someone took benefits at 62, took a reduction, uh, by the time they reach full retirement age, the kids have aged out and they suspend and start again at age 70, they pretty much get back to their full retirement age benefit. Uh, but in the meantime, they were able to draw and, and have some money come in for the kids, which absolutely has to be used for their support but if they're living in your household anyway, uh, you're supporting them, you're feeding them, you're, you're clothing them, their their needs are being met. You could save that money for their college or whatever uh, they may need in the future. So it can be a great strategy. Jim, how does one file for children's benefits? Well, you cannot do it online. Uh, you call the Social Security 800 number, 800-772-1213, and you make an appointment. That appointment can be for you to go in to the local Social Security office and complete the application or have them call you and do it over the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's still not available online, but you call and make the appointment and, and then they'll, they'll take the application. Now, keep in mind, too, if the child's under 18, they're going to need a representative payee. That's someone who receives the money uh, for the child. It has to be used in their best interest. Uh, and then when that child reaches 18, they become their own uh, representative payee. But it's normally a parent. It's If it's a split household, it's going to be the parent the child lives with most of the time. It's not necessarily the number holder receiving uh, their retirement benefit. It could be their ex-wife because the kids live with the ex-wife. So uh, the representative payee brings that money in. 
spends it on the kid's behalf. Uh, and and uh, that way we're assured that the money is used responsibly. Okay, Jim, let's talk about, okay, let's talk about the spousal boost benefit. Uh, we know that many times the wife is the lower earner and her social security benefits would be less than husband. So how do we determine how much she might be eligible to receive off of the husband's work record? What is that calculation, Jim? It's actually pretty simple if you if you have the numbers. You take the number holder, the higher earner's PIA, as you mentioned, that's their benefit at full retirement age, and you divide it in half. If this, the lower earner, the spouse's own full retirement age benefit, or PIA, is less than half of the higher earners, then they're eligible for a spousal boost. Uh, so it's all based on not what each are receiving, but what would their benefit be at their full retirement age. So let's assume I'm married, Jim, and let's assume I can get 2000 bucks off my work record. Uh, let's assume my wife is eligible for seven fifty dollars uh, off hers, PIA, both of us, 2000 me, seven fifty for her. So let's do the math. 2000 coming to me, divide that by two, is 1000 bucks Minus the seven fifty dollars that she's eligible for, that's her PIA, full-time managed benefit, means she gets two fifty dollars off of my work record. If she applies for benefits at her full retirement age, she'll collect her seven fifty. She'll collect two fifty off of my work record for a total of one thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> I was yeah. lost my concentration <laughs> there. Uh, so, so Jim, uh, on a percentage basis, what percent of married couples will have a spousal boost benefit payable to either husband or wife? That number is going down. Uh, because the the uh, benefits payable to women are, are definitely going up, they're earning more. Um, it's maybe around 25% at this point. I suspect in the future it'll still go down some. It'll never completely go away, uh, but it'll still go down some. Uh, so it's it's the way Social Security benefits are computed. The lower earners get a better percentage return of on their benefit versus their average wage than the higher earner. So it doesn't mean that the lower earner uh, has to earn at least half of what the higher earner earns. Uh, so, so it's a calculation that we always have to look at. Jim, let's talk about that restricted application. Still out there. Folks born by 1154, they're able to file a restricted application to claim a benefit off of their spouse while their own benefits grow or the DRCs. So it's still a valid strategy, but just doesn't apply to too many people, does it? No, not so many anymore. Uh, we've only got a couple of months left and then it'll be gone. But still, you could run into someone who meets the requirements and can mm -hmm. file for the restricted application. Yeah. At this point, uh, they may only receive, well, they could get six months of back pay. So they might be able to receive eight months of benefits. But, you know, sometimes that could still be a considerable amount of money, something that we want to consider if it's available for that person. So by the end of 2023, the restricted application will be gone. But between now and then, Jim and I will continue to talk about it in all of our social security talk podcasts, because if this fits you, the public or an advisor client, then you want to consider the restricted application. 
Jim, I'm going to go out on a limb. I am making a prediction. The last week in December of this year, we'll have the opportunity to, t- to, to deal with the restricted application. I'm making that for two, for two clients. We're going to file restricted apps effective six months ago uh, for, for clients. It will happen. It might not happen between now and then, but the last week in December, it will happen. I guarantee you. Nice tease. Good, good for people to tune in after the first of the year to see if that actually happened. Definitely. Jim, yeah. let's end our discussion on, uh, on unmarried couples with a, a quick discussion about public employees. So if you work for the state, uh, county, city, uh, government, yeah, the job which you did not pay Social Security tax on or, or hired by the, uh, to work in the federal government before 1984, you're going to be subject to one or both of these provisions. One would be the windfall elimination provision or WEP. The other one is government pension offset or GPL. We tend to refer to government pension offset as grumpy partner offset. So Jim, talk briefly about WEP, please. WEP is applied for folks who are eligible for a pension from work, not covered by Social Security, but also somewhere along the way, worked and earned their 40 credits, and they're eligible for their, their own Social Security retirement benefit. And what happens in this case is that the calculation is changed by the Social Security Administration to lower that person's benefit. The good news, it's never lowered to zero. You're always eligible for something. But it can be up to 500 right now this year, up to $558 a month less than what it says on your Social Security benefit statement. Uh, They're not going to reduce your benefit by any more than half of your pension. Honestly, that doesn't apply to most people. But uh, it you'll still receive something for retirement. It just may not be as much as you think it's going to be. So like Jim said, the maximum reduction in 2023 is $550 per month. And that is not reflected in your, uh, on your Social Security benefit statement. If you want to learn more about uh, the WEP reduction, you want to learn more about substantial earnings, uh, please attend our class. Go to www.premiernssa.com. Learn about the class that we offer. All right. Grumpy Partner Offset, or GPO. That applies when you're eligible for your own public employee pension and a spousal Social Security benefit. That would be a benefit off of a current spouse, a benefit off of an ex-spouse, or benefit off of de- off a deceased spouse. You reduce what you can get off of your client. No, no. You reduce what you, the benefit you can get off of a spouse by two-thirds of your state pension. That, for the most part, will wipe out any Social Security you might be eligible for off of a spousal uh, or deceased spouse or an ex-spouse work record. So if you're trying to get a Social Security benefit off of a spouse while you're receiving a public employee pension, don't count on it. It probably won't happen. But if you're eligible for your own Social Security benefits, then yes, you'll get something. There's no doubt about it. Uh, in Ohio, 97% of our public employees do not pay into Social Security. So this is a huge issue for us. I should say a huge issue for Jim. 
<laughs> when we yeah. talk to clients uh, that are in these situations. And many times we, we, we need to tell a, a request a client to obtain their actual earnings history off of the social security website through their online account. We need, we need their, so for this is for web purposes, we need their social security benefit statement, but we also need their actual earnings for each year, uh, starting with the most recent year, going back to the first year they had a job. And so that's a separate document that they get by going to their online account. Hey, Jim, do you have an online account? I do. I've had a little while uh, since the very first day they offered them. Me too. That was in 2012, 2012, May 1st. I think May 1st, 2012. Yeah. I remember, Jim, when we had the opportunity to set up the, uh, the accounts, they asked some security questions. Uh, and at that point, uh, they asked four, maybe, maybe five, I don't know, maybe three, I don't know. Anyway, I guessed on a couple of them. I guess I guessed right because <laughs> I was able to open up my, my account right away. Now it's just providing information off your driver's license for the most part. It's a whole right. lot easier, right, Jim? Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everybody for attending our podcast today. Like I said earlier, it, it is sponsored by the National Social Security Advisor Certificate Program. It's a full-day class that Jim and I teach. on Jim, me, and Harold teach on Social Security. And we emphasize situational Social Security and how to ask those probing class questions so clients get more money out of the Social Security system. We offer our class three ways, live in-person, live webinar, and taped on-demand videos. After you uh, take our training, you take a test. After you pass the test, you earn our certificate. And if your compliance department will allow you to, you could put NSSA after your name. And you can indicate that you are a National Social Security Advisor certificate holder. For more information about our training, go to www.premiernssa.com. Send me an email. M Kiner, K I N E R, at mypremierplan.com. Give me a buzz, 513 247 0526. And also, I guess that was basically, oh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. So go to your LinkedIn page, send me a connection request at mypremierplan.com. No, yes. Is it no, Mark me- Kiner? No, that's really not what I meant to say. So yeah. <laughs> send me a connection request. Mark with the C. Yeah. Kiner, K-I-N-E-R. It's been a long day. I'm going, uh, I'm just going haywire right now. <laughs> hey, Jim, any final comments you'd like to make? Yeah. Be sure to ask those probing questions. Uh, just because somebody's neighbor did it some way doesn't mean that's good for them. It's not going to be good for them. It's not. You have to look at your own situation. So everybody's situational social security is very important. So they don't make the wrong decisions. Very good. This now ends this edition of social security talk. Mark Kiner, Jim Blair signing off. Bye. Bye.